Do you think the term anchor baby is offensive? No. No. I, if there's another term that I can come up with, uh, I'm happy to hear it. Oh, Jeb. Oh, Jeb. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Oh, clowns and jokers, beware. From Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles, this is your broadcast, as heard on 90.7 FM in LA, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org. On the Stitcher app, the TuneIn app, on the iTunes, streaming on the Progressive Voices channel, on Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, RadioOrNot.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, and Radio Sputnik, five days a week. This is your broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling action-packed adventure today. Following yesterday's thrilling action-packed adventure, frankly, with uh, with uh, former CIA, 27-year CIA veteran Ray McGovern, who gave presidential daily briefings each and every morning to presidents like, oh, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, and others. Interesting that uh, yesterday's program uh, seems to have stirred up a bit of a hornet's nest out there in uh, in the Internet's land, which I always enjoy. Enjoy uh, hearing Ray McGovern being called a Putinist. Mind you, again, he's the guy, the top CIA briefer to Ronald Reagan He's also the guy who took down Donald Rumsfeld over WMD quite famously on videotape. You can look it up. We've got the link in yesterday's uh, uh, item for yesterday's show at bradblog.com. Seems to have stirred up a bit of a hornet's nest in some circles, which uh, I couldn't be happier about. Uh, Some on Twitter were just apoplectic about what uh, Ray McGovern and his organization, Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity, are asking for. They're asking the Secretary of State, John Kerry, to uh, actually they're asking uh, the White House, they're asking the president to offer to bring forward the evidence that they have to demonstrate who did or didn't shoot down Malaysian Airlines Flight 17 over the Ukraine, over Ukraine uh, more than a year ago. And we still don't have the evidence for that for some reason. We pay billions and billions and billions of dollars for all of this high-tech surveillance, satellite equipment, all kinds of spying things going on. And yet the White House came out just days after uh, the Malaysian Airlines crashed in eastern Ukraine, July 2014, John Kerry came out when all the shows went on all the shows and said, hey, we, it was it was Russia. It was it was pro-Russian separatists using uh, Russian missile systems. We know this because they talked about it on Twitter. 
that was it. That was really that was social social media. He also said they had trajectory evidence from satellite, but that information has never come forward. The black box information has has never come forward. Uh, the transcript, to my knowledge, of uh, MH17, the uh, Malaysian air flight, uh, the air control transcript, that has never come forward. There will be a report issued in October. We'll see what it is. But uh, anyway, uh, so Ray McGovern, once again, a top CIA official for Ronald Reagan, says he would like to see the evidence and that uh, it's not unheard of to bring forward such evidence in such cases when you're making uh, such a damning case against another country, another very powerful country in Russia, and frankly, reigniting a Cold War. I think we should have the evidence for that. Anyway, so if you didn't check out, if you didn't hear that show, uh, check it out. We have it, of course, at bradblog.com. You can download it over at iTunes anytime. Uh, like you can all of our programs, and you can subscribe there for free. So you get them every single day. It's uh, anyway, and, and if you have any thoughts on it, I'd love to hear from you. Comment over at bradblog.com or uh, send me email, bradcast at bradblog.com. All right, here as usual with uh, Desi Doyen, our producer. Hey, Des. Hey. What's up? You oh, had a. I had just a thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's so much that's in that Ray McGovern interview, uh, so many little highlights that, that I think people should really listen to. But the one that really jumped out at me that yeah. I thought was, you know, hilarious in a, in a very dark way is he said, We spend billions and billions of dollars surveilling Americans and Americans' communications mm. and communications around the world, billions of dollars a year. And yet, John Kerry says we got it from social media. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It, it. Why not from the actual evidence that we have? And and McGovern went on to point out that, you know, when he served uh, Ronald Reagan, that there were also occasions where they would actually bring out the evidence. There was the, the, the bombing in Germany that they were blaming on Libya in 1986. And uh, to make the case, they actually burned a source in revealing some evidence to show how they knew that Libya was responsible for that bombing. So it can be done. It can be done. It's not unheard of. They could do that here. Um, if the excuse is that, oh, we can't reveal the evidence because it will give away our, our methods and sources. Well, it has been done. And I think if you're going to uh, start stoking a new Cold War uh, and frankly, if you're going to impose incredibly painful sanctions on a country like Russia, you ought to make the case to do that. You ought to make a public case as to why that needs to be done. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know that Ray McGovern knows what happened. I think he's asking what happened. He's, he's put forward a lot of evidence in our conversation as far as, you know, why he thinks that the U.S. is not coming clean on this, is not being fully uh, uh, forward about what they know and what they don't know. Uh, he made a very good case for that. So check that uh, check, check that show out. Um, Check that show out from yesterday. I think you'll be uh, well. Like I say, if if you're if if you find it uh, questionable, if you have concerns about it, you can leave comments at Brad Blog or send me email bradcast at bradblog.com. I would say this though: you will never go wrong. You will never. I'll make you this. You will never be misled by the Bradcast. Or by bradblog.com. We check our facts. We get our facts right. If we assert something, uh, it is not without reason. It is not without evidence. It is not without independently verifiable evidence. And one of those cases I have asserted for a long time, and I have received similar, I have received blowback 
from my listeners, from my readers at bradblog.com, people who otherwise generally agree with me on things. Oh, this was when I started bringing this up a year or two ago. There was a lot of people who were just absolutely furious about it. And it has to do, it's not politics. We're going to get into politics. Don't you worry. We will have plenty of politics ahead today. But before we get there, this is just about saving people's lives, about saving lives, about saving hundreds of thousands of lives, if not millions of lives. And this is something I started bringing up a couple of years ago when I, formerly a, uh, a very heavy uh, smoker, for years, for decades, was able to quit overnight, just like, boom, like that. Just quit. How? E-cigs, vaping, as they, uh, as they call it, vaporizer. Um, I, I believe it you know, probably saved my life. I know that there are more than, uh, I, I, I want to say, half a million a year who die in the U.S. alone from smoking-related illnesses. And um, so I started looking into this uh, this e-cigs, and I, I started using them. I was able to immediately quit smoking, immediately. And for those who don't know, e-cigs contain nicotine, yes, but nicotine does not have the nicotine is not the danger of uh, cigarette tobacco smoking. Nicotine is more like caffeine, highly addictive, very addictive, no question about that. And if you have uh, high blood pressure, blood pressure or you know heart problems, then you should be careful about nicotine. But that's not what kills you. That's not what kills half a million smokers a year in the U.S. alone. What kills them is the tar, uh, the carbon monoxide, the chemicals, and all of the other things that are in uh, tobacco smoke. That's also what makes it dangerous for secondhand uh, people who are around tobacco smoke. Not the case when it comes to vaping. And I've made this case over and over again based on the science. I've read the reports. I've heard the people saying, oh, we don't know. It's, it's just like smoking. It's, uh, you, you should quit instead. Well, I, that's maybe. I don't know. But as far as the dangers, if you read the actual studies, nobody's finding any dangers. The studies are being misreported, misreported in places like New York Times, who actually, you know, it, it did an article, I don't know, about a year ago. I covered it, bradblog.com, talking about nicotine, uh, poison by the barrel, how this uh, juice, this uh, nicotine uh, juice that is used, flavored juice that is used in an e-cigarette, uh, you know, the, the people are refilling their e-cigs and somehow their children are getting to it and they're getting poisoned by it well they're not they're getting poisoned way more by household cleansers that look delicious to drink by the way if you've never seen uh some of these cleansers are purple they're yellow they're, if i was a child mm, delicious uh nobody has ever died from uh, nicotine juice to our now well, actually that's not true New York Times, in this long article, just headlined Poison by the Barrel, it was able to come out with one uh, case of somebody who did die from this uh, e-juice, this nicotine juice. How did that person, how did that one person ever die? They injected themselves with it because they were trying to commit suicide. So that's it. Other than that, scientists have no evidence that anybody has ever died uh, from vaping, and yet... The anti-smoking jihadists have turned their uh, otherwise good work from cigarettes to vaping. Which is insane because vaping will save people's lives. 
you know, and, and and I'm not talking about well, even the dispose. You've probably seen these these uh, this disposable crap that looks like a cigarette. Uh, that's an e-cig. Uh, a lot of people try those, and and they're just. I tried them originally. They're horrible. There are better vaping systems out there. Find a vape shop near you. If you're a smoker, do yourself a favor. Find a vape shop near you. Find a flavor you like. Find a nicotine level you like, and save your life. And don't listen to the propaganda that is being put out there by the anti-smoking jihadists, claiming that there is scientists showing science showing that these things are dangerous. There is no such science. They are lying. And I've had uh, Congress. Who was the uh, Desi Doyen? Who was the, uh, uh, the, the L.A. City Councilman we had on this program? Paul, Paul Koretz. Yes, right? Paul Koretz, L.A. City Councilman. A city councilman, a, a Democrat, uh, a progressive. I would probably agree with this guy on, on most things. He came on here the day after the L.A. City Council banned these things for use from indoor uh, uh, use Made made people, you know, if if they want to vape, they've got to go out into the smoking lounge where they are trying to quit and hang out with the smokers. We had a guy when I had the councilman on, uh, we had a caller called in and said, uh, this is like sending a, a crack addict out to wait in a crack house. It, you know, it's, it's just insane. So these are people who who would otherwise want to save people's lives. And yet. They're making it harder, more difficult for people to vape. And we've got some evidence of this, and we've got some uh, some more scientific evidence that I want to get to. Well, let me get right to this. New York Times. New York Times yesterday. New York Times, the one who had said poison by the barrel. New York Times says British health officials this week reported the results of a government-funded study concluding that the use of electronic cigarettes can reduce the health risks of smoking by 95% and may also help smokers quit the habit. Thank you, New York Times. The study, issued by the government agency Public Health England, also found little evidence that consumers who had ever smoked, I'm sorry, found little evidence that consumers who had never smoked before we're adopting e-cigarettes in large numbers. Some researchers expressed concerns previously that young people would use the devices as a gateway to regular smoking. But the researchers found there is no such evidence for that. Now, of course, had you bothered to read the studies that they were citing when they were making this claim, you would have found that that was BS from the jump. There was no such evidence that kids were moving from vaping to, to smoking. Why would they? It's more expensive. It tastes worse. It smells bad. It smells bad. There when is no vaping you, does not. Vaping does not. And also, you you know, you're probably not going to get caught vaping. If you're a kid and you don't want to get caught by your parents, you know, smoking, you will smell like smoke. Vaping, you won't stink. So it was just ridiculous, and there was no science to back it up. And yet, again, these anti-smoking uh, uh, uh Activists. Ad advocates and activists were making the claim. And basically they were making the claim because they were concerned that vaping would make something that looks like smoking cool again. Just when they thought they were, you know, they had cigarettes on the on the rails and they do. Cigarette the tobacco smoking is at an all time low across the country, all time low and across most other countries as well. And it is not going up. Thanks to vaping, it is coming down as uh, vaping is going up, as vaping is going up through the roof. The study also said, according to the New York Times, that new regulations adopted in, Brit in Britain should emphasize the device's 
public health benefits. Benefits. And that was the whole point I've been trying to make from the beginning. That was the whole point I was trying to make that whenever they come out with these, uh, you know, this propaganda that vaping, oh, we don't know, it's bad for you. If you live out here in California, I'm sure you've seen the commercials on here, how it's, oh, it's secretly, it's big tobacco behind vaping. And they're trying to get kids hooked and don't fall for it again like we used to when it came to cigarettes. That's utter nonsense. If you're going to get hooked on something, if you're going to get hooked on nicotine, for God's sakes, let it be a, 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 a an e-cig. Let it be a vape rather than a real cigarette, which will kill you, as opposed to an e-cig for which there is no evidence that any has ever killed anybody. So I, I just I'm glad to see this study out here. Uh, one oh, and and here's another actually a very troubling. <laughs> element of this study. One of the study's underlying aims was to clarify the public debate over e-cigarettes. Duncan Silby said, the chief executive of Public Health England, he wrote in the foreword to the report that many people think the risks of e-cigarettes are the same as smoking tobacco, and this report clarifies the truth of this, Mr. Silby wrote. In a nutshell, best estimates show that e-cigarettes are 95% less harmful to your health, and I believe he's being conservative there but 95% uh, less harmful. And the problem is that uh, fears, this is uh, over at IFL Science, uh, a great science website. I can't say what IFL stands for, but iflscience.com wrote about this and said that this report also goes some ways to dismissing the fears that e-cigarettes act as a route into smoking for young people and uh, non-smokers. And that uh, the report uh, details how the number of people who think that e-smoke, that e-cigarettes are as dangerous as smoking are on the rise. The report details how this number of people who think that it's the same, that, that e-cigarettes are just as bad as cigarettes, is rising. In 2013, only 8.1% had that idea. That false idea, that false idea that vaping was as dangerous as smoking. Now it's up to twenty two point one percent in twenty fifteen. So it's gone from eight percent to twenty two percent because of bad crap reporting from places like The New York Times and AP and The L.A. Times and everywhere else that I've had to debunk it with actual science over at Bradblog.com. This new report says that is completely the evidence shows the opposite. The opposite. So if you're concerned about smoking as a health issue, if you're concerned about hundreds of thousands of people dying every year from smoking, and you should be, if you're concerned about that, you should be giving these e-cigarettes away. You should not be going on radio programs and saying, well, you know what, we don't know. We'll find out. In the meantime, we ought to ban them. No, we shouldn't be banning them. We should be saving people's lives with them. I remember years ago they had a form of uh, e-cigs. Uh, I'm told, I read about this, that Virgin Airlines, when they were banning, when they required, uh, used to be able to smoke on airplanes. And when they stopped that, when they banned smoking on airplanes for a while, Virgin Airlines was giving away a form of e-cig for people to use on the plane because it didn't stink. It'll keep them from going nuts on the plane. Uh, and frankly, it would save their lives. 
this is a fear from from this is a uh, a cancer researcher in UK says that fears that e-cigarettes have made smoking seem normal again or even led to people taking up tobacco smoking are not so far being realized based on the evidence assessed by this important independent review. According to Professor Linda Bald from Cancer Research UK, in fact, the overall evidence points to e-cigarettes actually helping people to give up smoking tobacco. It's estimated that currently 80,000 people in England die each year as a result of smoking. But if everybody who does smoke were to switch to e-cigarettes, then this figure is predicted to drop to 4,000, from 80,000 to 4,000. The evidence, according to the report, is clear, says IFL Science. Smoking e-cigarettes is much less harmful than smoking tobacco cigarettes. And if used in conjunction with stop smoking support surfaces, services, they offer a much better chance at quitting altogether. All right, there you go. There you go, Democrats and progressives who are trying to uh, stop people from vaping. There you go, Big Pharma. Who has, an ind- who has a nicotine industry who actually sells nicotine patches, gums, inhalers. Yes, inhalers, which are pretty much just like vaporizers. They have nicotine in them, but they're sold by Big Pharma, and Big Pharma supports politicians. So the politicians are not going to yell and scream about Big Pharma's nicotine devices. They're just going to yell and scream about the uh, uh, mom-and-pop stores around the country who are not big tobacco, who are doing really well with these devices, who are doing really well helping people quit smoking and helping people save their lives like they have for me. I'm interested in science. I'm interested in evidence. I'm looking for science and evidence to support this notion that uh, so many uh, Democrats and anti-smoking zealots are uh, trying to claim. And what they are doing is not saving lives. They are killing people. By restricting vaping and e-cigs, they are killing people. Period. Stop it. Let's save some lives. Oh, and okay, we'll get back to politics right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. 
and by the way, just so you know, because uh, Desi, you had mentioned this during the break, uh, we receive no money. We are sponsored in no way from the, what is it, the e-cig industry, the vaping industry. I'm telling you what I told you because I want to save your life. I want to save your family's life. If you know somebody uh, who's a smoker and you'd like to help them quit, that's the good way to do it. And uh, don't buy the BS that uh, has been put up. Maybe it will change after this study from Great Britain. Maybe the finally... The propaganda war against uh, e-cigs will end. We'll we'll see. Uh, you cannot go wrong, but because we have been telling you that forever, and whenever I uh, talk about uh, vaping, I get a huge amount of email and comments. And you can email and comment me, Bradcast at bradblog.com, or you can find me on the Twitters and the Facebooks. I am the Bradblog there, but we will not steer you wrong. We never do. We, we were the first ones back on June 16, June 16, speaking of dropping a bomb, uh, when Donald Trump got in the race and everyone thought it was hysterical, we told you, well, it may be hysterical, but it is going to change the course of the race. No, this is not just a guy who's getting in for fun and he's going to get out, that it has changed the course of the 2016 race. Here is exactly what we told you on that day, June 16. When everyone was laughing about Donald Trump, uh, saying that it was a joke and, uh, you know, it would be short lived. Here's what we warned you that very day on this broadcast. As of today, uh, Donald Trump got into the race. And normally when I introduce a new candidate these days, uh, here's the theme song I'll, I'll play to do it. Now, that music seems more appropriate today on the surface than any other day. You would think I would use that as the theme song for Donald Trump's entry to the race. But no, I'm not. Uh, today, there is one sound effect that I think is more appropriate than any other for Donald Trump entering the 2016 Republican race. And here it is. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Donald Trump, I believe, is blowing up the 2016 campaign. So that was that was me. Oh, on, how uh, prophetic. Yes, that was me on June 16, just uh, I think an hour or so after uh, Trump had announced he was getting in. And of course, we were right. And because he has completely blown up the 2016 race, he has blown up the Republican Party. As if they needed blowing up. I think they did. I think this will actually prove to be good for them. Because remember, they were out there pretending that they gave a damn about immigration. That they had to do something after they took that beating in 2012. We've got to stop beating up on immigrants. We've got to do something. We have to change this party. We'll never win without the Hispanic vote. Uh, they did an autopsy. They spent months uh, trying to figure out why it is that Americans don't like them anymore. And uh, and they were going to, you know, correct their course. And they were pretending to do that. And then, of course, that all fell apart because their course is they don't like people who they review uh, regard as non-Americans. They don't like Hispanics. They don't like African-Americans. They don't like anybody but white people, essentially white European. Um, and they're not crazy about many of those either. So uh, now, at least to Donald Trump's credit, he says what it is that the party believes he is expressing 
what the party actually believes. He is saying what it is that Fox, he's Fox News without the filter, without the polite, politically correct filter that you find on Fox News. He is actually saying what it is that the party believes. And I think that's great. I think they should run on what they believe on instead of pretending they believe uh, something else. Well, it's breaking apart the Republican Party. They don't know what the hell to do with themselves. All of the candidates are, are, are falling apart, changing their positions, uh, trying to keep up with Trump. Uh, but they don't know what to do. Politico had a survey of uh, its insiders caucus finding that 85 percent of New Hampshire Republicans and two thirds of Iowa Republicans say that the Donald's immigration proposal is killing their chances to win the general election by catering to the GOP base. Uh, quote, he's solidly put an anchor around the neck of our party and will sink because of it, an Iowa Republican said of Trump. Enough already, vented another Iowa Republican who, like all the participants in this uh, report, were granted anonymity in order to speak freely. Quote, this kind of garbage only appeals to the hardcore while alienating the soft middle that we must win in order to take the presidency. A New Hampshire Republican said it was, quote, harmful to the party, the brand and the future of our country. What's disappointing is the speed in which other candidates are following his lead. He's forced that to be standard operation. Well, you know what? That's what the Republican Party believes. So finally, they have a candidate who is saying so. Good. Good for them. But it has, in fact, uh, uh, placed an anchor around the uh, uh, the neck of all of the other uh, candidates. Well, too bad. Too late. They have no actual brand. If they're worried about uh, bad for the brand, they got no actual brand. We've been talking about that quite a bit this week. They're making it up as they go along. They've got no actual governing philosophy. They are not constitutionalists. They are not conservative. They are not family values people. They are making it up as they go along. The only governing philosophy I think they have at this point is ugliness and, and bitter rage at the world that is changing and leaving them behind. So now you've got George, uh, not George, close enough, Jeb, Jeb exclamation point Bush going on to the, onto the radio shows and talking about anchor babies about immigrants who are here who have a child and uh, that child automatically becomes a citizen because our Constitution, for those people who pretend to give a damn about our Constitution, our Constitution talks about birthright uh, citizenship. If you're born here, you're an American, period, end of story. But Jeb Bush is now talking about hey, we need to revisit the idea of anchor babies, which is an offensive term. And he was called on that uh, yesterday by the media. Do you think the term anchor baby is offensive? No, no. I, if there's another term that I come up with, uh, I'm happy to hear it. Did you regret using the term anchor babies yesterday on the radio? No, I didn't. Is that that what I don't, I don't regret it. You don't it. regret it? No, do you have a better term? I'm not, I'm, I'm asking you. Okay. Yeah, you give, you give me, do you you give me a better term and I'll use it. I'll, I'll be serious. Governor, Governor. Right. Don't yell at me behind my ear, though. Sorry about that. Governor, is that not bombastic language, anchor baby? Is that not bombastic No, it isn't. Give me another language. Give me another word. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's immigrants in the U.S. That's like a seven, that's not another word. That's a seven. <laughs> a hard enough Look, question. Here's the deal. What I said was it's commonly referred to that. 
That's what I said. I didn't use it as, as my own language. Yeah, he didn't use it as his own language. There are other words that are commonly referred to that I suspect he wouldn't want to use out on the campaign trail. I have I have a suggestion for you what he could call it. Do you have a I suggestion? Have, what do you got? American citizens. Oh, well, there's that. Or, or here, here's another one. Here's another one. Children. Oh, he could use that. Yeah. The Sun Sentinel in Florida says that Bush should apologize for his anchor baby's comment uh, and saying that basically he pulled a Trump. But, you know, Trump can get away with it. And so guys like Jeb Bush apparently think they can. Uh, the Sun Sentinel said Jeb Bush can't think of a better term than anchor babies to describe children born in America to immigrant parents living here illegally. He used the term this week, and when later asked by reporters whether he thought this term was derogatory, Bush fired back, I don't. Do you have a better term? You can give me a better term, and I'll use it. Sun Sentinel says, how about children? Ah, there you go. Or American babies. Both work, they say, based on birthright citizenship, a.k.a. as the 14th Amendment, says the Sun Sentinel in Florida. George, uh, Jeb Bush's, I still call him George, <laughs> Jeb Bush's, Jeb exclamation marks, uh, Bush's uh, own uh, home state or where he was the governor in any case. So uh, the fact that they don't know what they're doing, that they're making this up as they go along, that they have no governing philosophy is highlighted by that, is highlighted by this latest kerfuffle over birthright citizenship that suddenly... Donald Trump came out and said, yeah, we, we need to take a look at that. We, we, we should end that. It's in the Constitution, Mr. Trump. Yeah, well, the Constitution is my institution. And all of the other candidates came out and said, yeah, I think we ought to get rid of birthright citizenship, just like Trump says. Trump called for the end of it, so they almost all the rest of them do, too. Here was Scott Walker when he was asked about it, I think, the very next day after Donald Trump brought it up. Do you think that birthright citizenship should be ended? You said well, like I said, Harry Reid said that's not right for this country. I think that's something we should, uh, yeah, absolutely, going forward. You I think should end, we should end absolutely. birthright citizenship. Yeah, to me, it's about enforcing the laws in this country. And uh, again, I make it very clear. I think you enforce the laws, and I think it's important to send a message that we're going to enforce the laws no matter how people come here. We need to uphold the law in this country. So birthright citizenship, should it be ended? Yes, absolutely, said Scott Walker. Well, that was then. That was days ago. He can't be expected to have the same position days later when asked about it a second time after the uproar, after Republicans come to realize, oh, wait, that's in the Constitution? It's the 14th Amendment? So uh, Scott Walker, who is ever uh, vigilant, hoping to not just win the primary, but uh, hoping to then be able to go on to win a general election, uh, he's kind of remember what they used to call this when when they claimed John Kerry did this back in 2004 uh, flip flop flip this is this is a flip flop. So Scott Walker was asked about ending birthright citizenship since he said, yes, absolutely. We ought to do that. Um, he was asked about uh, about this on uh, John Harwood was this on CNBC uh, John Harwood on CNBC. Uh, asked him about ending birthright citizenship, Governor. But the distance between path to citizenship, which you once supported, and ending birthright citizenship, which is the last step you took, is pretty great. And he's the one who pushed you to that last step. No, in both of those instances, what I've said, and, and I, I 
pointed it out. I did a three and a half hour gaggle, mm -hmm. so the bits and pieces of people yeah. interrupting while we're taking questions along the way, was pointing out that I don't think any of those issues can be addressed until you actually secure the border and enforce the laws. So do people misunderstand you're actually not for ending birthright citizenship? I'm not taking a position on it one way or the other. I'm saying <laughs> that until you secure the border and enforce the laws, any discussion about anything else is really looking past the very things we have to do. And I think that's why so many Americans have been frustrated with politicians who talk about all these other issues out there. If you can't secure the border, I mean, what kind of a sovereign nation do we live in if we can't secure, fundamentally secure our borders? Yeah. Americans are fed up. They are sick and tired of Washington not being able to tackle these issues. And they want someone who's going to take care of it. Yeah, you know what else they're sick and tired of, Scott Walker? People saying whatever they think they need to say at that time they need to say it rather than having an actual belief and standing behind it. Frankly, the way Donald Trump does. Now, his beliefs are insane, uninformed, often just downright stupid and contradictory to maybe what he had said five, ten years ago. Uh, but he stands behind it. Scott Walker, yes, you said yes, absolutely, we should end birthright citizenship. It was not bits and pieces. Uh, so now to say, well, first we have to secure the border. <sighs> These guys have no governing philosophy. They are no longer a serious political party. They should not be taken seriously in this country by the media, by the corporate media. They just make it up as they go along. Here's another example. Here is, this is from a few months ago, earlier this year. Uh, this is the executive director of the Family Research Council. Uh, this is before the decision by the Supreme Court to allow marriage equality. A decision, by the way, which is backed by the Constitution, which says we have to have equal application, that everyone is equal under the law, that we can't just say, oh, you can do this, but you can't. Constitutional decision. But yet, here was the Family Research Council, which is a big, huge republic, very powerful, frankly, uh, Republican, what do we call them, think tank, uh, policy group, uh, advocates for whatever the Republican uh, position is going to be. Family Research Council, by the way, was the one who came up with Obamacare back when it was uh, uh, they were using it to oppose Bill Clinton's uh, health plan, Bill and Hillary Clinton's health plan. Uh, then once, of course, Obama adopted it and used it, oh, now they're against it. Now they hate it. In any case, here is the Family Research Council's executive director earlier this year talking about marriage equality before the Supreme Court uh, allowed it as the law of the land in all 50 states, marriage equality and what he describes as natural marriage. Well, what an honor it is for me to be here with you today to stand up for marriage. My wife, Ann, and I have four precious children, uh, one of which is due in July. We count them from conception. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I truly believe that every child deserves a mother and a father. Well, as the Supreme Court ponders whether to uphold the right of the states to have their voice heard on natural marriage, I want to leave you with a couple thoughts. And we've outlined those at frc.org forward slash marriage on trial. I believe sincerely that the people of every state should remain free to uphold marriage as a union of one man and one woman. You know, the Constitution protects Americans from having a new view of marriage judicially forced upon them. And only one other nation in this world has had a court impose the redefinition of marriage 
And we are standing today to say, let the people's voice be heard and let's stand together for marriage. Stand together, stand together for marriage, one man and one woman, natural marriage. That was the uh, executive director of the Republican uh, Family Research Council earlier this year. Well, funny thing, funny thing about that guy. Funny thing about what these Republicans pretend to believe in. Uh, that guy who's talking about what marriage should be one man and one woman and we shouldn't let the courts redefine it. Uh, that's a guy by the name of Joshua J. Duggar. Yes, you might have heard of him because. <laughs> this, so that's Josh Duggar. Yes. Of 19 kids and counting. And now earlier, he has since stepped down from the Family Research Council because it turned out that uh, when he was younger, a few years ago, I guess, uh, actually uh, molested a number of young girls. Uh, a couple of them, apparently, his, his own sisters. And the family, this great, staunchly Republican family, who guys like Mike Huckabee has sought their, their endorsement, Rick Santorum has sought their endorsement, uh, they, they hid what Josh Duggar did. Uh, but that's not the end of the story for Josh Duggar. As it turns out, I'm sure you've heard already this week about the release of the uh, <laughs> the people who hacked into the, it's not even a dating website, it's an, the affairs website. It's an infidelity, infidelity website. Infidelity website, Ashley Madison. And, it's, uh, like, it's like Uber for married people who want to cheat. There you go. And they released a bunch of names of these people who were signed up with Ashley Madison looking to have affairs. Well, as Gawker reports, someone using a credit card belonging to a Joshua J. Duggar with a billing address that matches the home in Fayetteville, Arkansas, owned by his grandmother, Mary, a home that was consistently shown on their now-canceled TV show and in which Anna Duggar gave birth to her first child, paid a total of $986.76 for two different uh, monthly Ashley Madison subscriptions from February of 2013 until May 2015. So Josh Duggar... Uh, was having an affair. Josh Duggar, the head of the Family Research Council. Josh Duggar, uh, the guy who stood up and fought for natural marriage and marriage between one man and one woman so bravely earlier this year. Well, what an honor it is for me to be here with you today to stand up for marriage. My wife, Ann, and I have four precious yeah. children. Whatever hear about your four children, your precious marriage. Your marriage should be one man and one woman while you're cheating on your wife, which he has now admitted. He has now said, uh, I have uh, had an addiction to pornography and I had been unfaithful to my wife. I have been, quote, the biggest hypocrite ever, wrote Josh Duggar. While espousing faith and family values, I have secretly over the last several years been viewing pornography on the Internet, and this became a secret addiction, and I became unfaithful to my wife. Now, I guess he's going to say it was the pornography that made him unfaithful to his wife. Well, he does I, say I he became unfaithful, yes, as became. if that was something that just sort of that he doesn't have any responsibility uh -huh. or control over. Yeah. Yeah, he can't. He can't help it. He was he was addicted to it on on the uh, Internet machines. Now, listen, just to be clear, I don't give a damn about pornography on the internet. I don't care. You, I, as a matter of fact, I don't even care if you cheat on your wife. That's up to you. That's between you and your wife. 
So, I, you know, I'm not interested in going through this Ashley Madison uh, list and, and exposing all of these people who are listed on there. I think it's un, unseemly. I don't think this list should have been uh, released by these hackers, but it was. And why it's interesting to me is because you've got people like uh, Josh Duggar who are out there fighting to keep Americans from having rights, who's looking to take rights away from Americans under the guise of uh, you know, traditional uh, constitutionalism, family values, violating every single one of them from top to bottom. I point out Josh Duggar because he's a hypocrite, not because he's a cheater. I don't care about his cheating. I don't care about him watching pornography. He's a hypocrite, and he's keeping other people in this country from having their constitutional rights while reserving whatever the hell he wants for himself. He's a hypocrite who's in charge or who was in charge of the Family Research Council, an incredibly well-funded organization that fights not just to prevent, uh, you know, same-sex marriage from going forward, marriage equality, but a number of other issues that are important for actual families, actual Americans who, who don't look like the Josh Duggar family. He's got a position in which he makes life much harder for other people on purpose and gets paid very well to do so. The only thing that Josh Duggar in uh, the Family Research Council, the only thing that actually Republicans, their governing philosophy, if they have one at this point, is taking to, rights away from people. Taking uh, the, the right to marry who you love away from people who are married. Taking the right to have uh, health care away from people who need health care, taking away the right to vote from African-Americans, taking away the right of citizens, citizens from uh, Hispanics and whoever else they can take them away from. Their governing philosophy is taking away rights from Americans. And if they just embrace that, if they just embrace that, then at least they could say, hey, you're consistent at least you're not making it up as you go along. By the way, the head of the Louisiana Republican Party was also listed in the Ashley Madison data dump. And by the way, and he came up with an excuse that, man, I, I bet Josh Duggar is kicking himself that he didn't come up. Oh, I should have used that. As The Hill reports today, Louisiana GOP Executive Director Jason, Jason Dore said that his name was among those released as part of the Ashley Madison data dump earlier this week because he used the site for, quote, opposition research. Oh, clever. Smart, right? Hackers uh, released the trove of data, yada, yada, at least 10,000 email addresses. Dore told uh, NOLA.com, New Orleans uh, news outlet, that an account had been created using his name and former personal credit card information as part of work done by his law firm, Dore Jensen. So his law firm uh, was doing claiming uh, to do oppo research. Uh, so they had to go on Ashley Madison and find out, I guess, who was cheating on whom. Uh, but for some reason, he used his personal credit card instead of the business credit card. It's research, man. It's, it's re research. Well, yeah, but why do you use his personal uh, credit card? 
Because it's research, man. It's research. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, good luck with that. As the state's leading op- opposition research firm, he said, our law office routinely searches public records, online databases, and websites of all types to provide clients with comprehensive reports. Our utilization of this site was for standard opposition research. Unfortunately, it ended up being a waste of money and time. He says the head of the Republican GOP down in Louisiana, which uh, a state which has been uh, among the last to finally give up the ghost on stopping uh, uh, the right to marry down there. Anyway, that was his excuse. Pretty good. Re- pretty good excuse. Don't know if it's real or not. I'm sure Josh Duggar is uh, kicking himself for not coming up with that himself. That's the Republican Party making stuff up as they go along. When we come back, we will uh, play you someone who is not in the Republican Party, who is not making it up as he goes along, who actually has a governing philosophy, one that he has had for, oh, I don't know, about 50 years at this point, and one who refuses to play the game of attacking uh, his fellow opponents, one who is serious about running for president. That's Bernie Sanders. Stay tuned. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Okay, uh, in our last few minutes here, since I've been uh, ranting and railing about idiot politics, maybe I should uh, try to give you some not-idiot politics. Let's bring in a grown-up. And I wish that, frankly, all of the uh, candidates running for president this year were, were more like this. And this is not an endorsement of Bernie Sanders as a candidate. This is or at least not for his uh, you know, running for the nomination of the Democratic Party. This is an endorsement of him as a candidate, as a grown-up, uh, that I wish all of the other ones sounded more like. Bernie was asked about uh, you know, attacking Hillary. The media is trying to get him to attack Hillary Clinton because that's how our corporate media works, or that's how they think that uh, elections must be. You must attack your opponent rather than, you know... Give your ideas and sell your ideas to the American people and let the American people decide what they want in a government. So I want to play this extended clip from Bernie Sanders uh, this week uh, coming out of an event and being uh, asked by uh, the media. Basically, uh, who will you attack? Will you attack uh, Hillary Clinton? If not, why not? Here's the extended clip. Here's Bernie Sanders. This is the entirety of his media scrum. And uh, I should say he can be proud of this. And other candidates ought to look to what Bernie is doing so that maybe they can be proud of what they're doing as well. In your speech uh, tonight, you said you won't um, criticize or attack Hillary Clinton, certainly. But you did seem to draw some implicit contrast when you said uh, you don't take money from super PACs and you vote against Iraq war. What I said is that corporate media talks about all kinds of issues except the most important issues, okay? And time after time, I'm being asked to criticize Hillary Clinton. That's the sport that you guys like. 
The reason this campaign is doing well because we're talking about the issues that impact the American people. I've known Hillary Clinton for 25 years. I like her, I respect her. I disagree with her on a number of issues. No great secret. I, I oppose the Trans-Pacific Partnership, okay? I want to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Doesn't she? No, not to no. the best of my knowledge, no. I believe I am opposed to uh, the Keystone Pipeline. Okay, I voted against the war in Iraq. I voted against the USA Patriot. These are differences of opinions that we will discuss. But the issue that I want to be talking about is the collapse of the American middle class. You guys going to write about that? Yes. Yes. Is that an important issue? Yes. The need for to create millions of decent paying jobs. The obscenity of the kind of level of income and wealth inequality that we have today. The reason our campaign is doing well is because people are responding to those issues. So I am not going to get into the game of sitting around attacking Hillary Clinton. We disagree. We're going to have, if I have anything to say about it, a respectful and intelligent debate. Other questions? Why do you think uh, working class people in America vote against their economic self-interest? That's a good question. And if I knew all of the complete answer to that, I'd be a lot smarter than I am. But this is what I will tell you. I think the Republicans have done a brilliant job over the years. They're very smart guys in dividing people on a million different issues. They divide people on gay marriage. They divide people on abortion. They divide people on immigration. And what my job is, and it's not just in blue states, believe me, we're going to go to red states, we're going to go to conservative states, is to bring working people together around an agenda that works for their kids and works for their parents, raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour having a trade policy that creates jobs in America, not in China, making sure that all of our kids can get a college education regardless of their income, fighting for pay equity for women workers. We have an agenda that I believe can bring people together, and when we do that, we're going to win this election very easily, I think. How do, you how do you reconcile being the anti-establishment candidate with being a career politician? <laughs> Other questions? Well, you said you were a politician. I think that's a fair question. I've run for office 25. I've been in office for 25 years. As a candidate for mayor of Burlington, I became the first independent ever elected in the city's history by taking on the entire ruling class of the city of Burlington. Does that sound like a career politician? When I began my political career, I received 2% of the vote and then 1% of the vote. Last election, I got 71% of the vote. Running for office, representing working people, taking on Wall Street, taking on the military industrial complex, taking on private insurance companies, taking on pharmaceutical industry, I don't think that makes me a career politician. I think that makes me as a candidate who is standing up for working people and prepared to take on the big money interest in this country. One more second. Your new BuzzFeed UK, I was just wondering, are you aware of the rise of Jeremy Corbyn as the UK Labour Party candidate? Bit, yeah. And whether that's something you think you can tap into and whether you've got a message Look, for that I campaign. think whether it's the UK or here in the United States, here's the answer. People are sick and tired of establishment politics. They are sick and tired of a politics in which people continue, candidates continue to represent the rich and the powerful, go out begging money 
from the wealthy. They are sick and tired of an economics in which almost all of the new income in wealth is going to the top 1%. And they're tired of a medium, which continues to want to have gotcha questions and make conflict between the candidates rather than talking about the real issues impacting the American people. And that is why I'm not familiar with what's going on daily. I am aware of the candidate. But I think that is what's going on in this campaign. The American people are saying enough is enough. Why is it that almost all new income and wealth is going to the top 1%? Why is it that our kids can't afford to go to college? Why is it that our childcare system is dysfunctional? Why is it that we're the only major country on earth that doesn't guarantee health care to all of our people who have family and medical leave? The American people want us to address those issues. They do not want us to be attacking each other. They want to focus, they want a real debate on real issues, and I intend to give it to them. Thank you very much. That is U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders, U.S. Senator from Vermont, candidate for President of the United States on the Democratic side, offering actual substance and an actual response to the horrible corporate media that we have in this country. Thank you, Bernie, and to my listeners, you're welcome. Wish we heard more of that in the corporate media. Uh, My thanks today to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, and my thanks to our affiliates and especially to you, our listeners, and those of you who donate at bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on the air commercial-free, to help us tell the stories that uh, you just don't hear anywhere else. You just don't hear uh, five and a half minutes of Bernie Sanders uh, in most places in the media. I know you don't hear Ray McGovern talking uh, about the things we discussed yesterday on this program or AT&T whistleblower Mark Klein, uh, who we had on uh, earlier in the week. Uh, Investigative journalists like uh, Steve Horn and others talking about who is profiting off of the the judges who are profiting off of the Keystone XL pipeline. So uh, to those who went to bradblog.com slash donate to help us out, my great thanks to you all the great listeners we have out there. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download it at bradblog.com or over at iTunes. You can drop me email at bradcast at bradblog.com. And over on the Twitters and the Facebooks, I am the Brad Blog. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.